All right, everyone. Hi, this is John Lee, your local real estate agent, realtor here in the Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia area. I'm here with Mark Brown. He is a mortgage lender. Great guy. Mark, I want to leave the floor to you and just tell me about yourself and what you do. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Mark Brown. I am a licensed mortgage broker. Uh, I actually live on the other side of the country now um, in Los Angeles, but still do a, a good amount of business in Philadelphia. Uh, that's where my firm's based as well. Um, so I'm currently licensed in four states, actively lending in three, California, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. Um, and I help people get money to buy real estate, um, refinance properties that they own, whether it be a primary residence or an investment property. Um, some of my clients are even uh, buying properties, fixing them up, you know, renting them out or fixing them up and selling them to uh, home buyers. So uh, I've been actively lending and brokering loans now. Jeez, we're in 2023, uh, going on eight years. Wow. <laughs> it makes me feel old when I say it out loud like that. Uh, I feel like, you know, just a couple of years ago, I was a new new baby in the business, um, but um, worked on several several hundred transactions at this point. And uh, I uh, really enjoy helping people, you know, get a piece of the American dream. Um, helping them get to the, to the next level, you know, either for their family, buying a home to live in, or, you know, for my investor clients, maybe they're building a, uh, a rental portfolio or, or you know, doing a, a deal so they can flip a house and make some money to feed their family. So pretty, pretty cool business to be in. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So you in our community, meaning the real estate investor community have known you to be the type of guy to, to, to be, a resource in so many ways as far as the investing side. And here you are also working on both sides on the retail. So, you know, it's good that I want to give everyone a chance to to know, you know, exactly what you do. I know, I mean, obviously we know as investors know what you do, but, um, you know, I, I want to give an opportunity for you to share a little bit more on that as well. But more on the personal side, I mean, tell me how you grew up from a child to now, like, what is your what is Mark Brown's story? Um, not as interesting, um, I, I think, as, as some some other folks. But uh, I am originally from Philadelphia. Both both uh, my mom and, and dad are, are from Philadelphia. Um, was born in Philly. My mother moved to South Carolina when I was about five. Um, so from the age of five until let's say thirteen, I actually lived in South Carolina most of the time. Um, you know started high school, uh, like grade school, all the way up to the beginning of high school in South Carolina before moving back up north. Um, but uh, it was interesting. I, I didn't appreciate it at the time. I actually kind of resented it, but I grew up in, in different um, groups of people. So, you know, up north, uh, most of my family is from Philadelphia. A lot of them have moved out um, since, but certainly when I was younger, pretty much all of my family lived in Philadelphia. And so I'd be hanging out with my family in Philly in you know, the summertime when I come up to visit. Um, my father moved to the suburbs of Delaware when I was ooh, probably like seven or eight, I want to say. Um, and that's where my younger siblings were all born and raised. 
And uh, I ended up graduating high school um, in Delaware as well. And then uh, I lived literally off of a dirt road <laughs> in uh, lived in a trailer down in South Carolina. So um, very different experiences, you know, like yeah. going from one group to another. Um, and I had to learn how to, you know, adapt, you know, um, there's a term we use, uh, code switch, right? You're like learning how to um, talk people's language to them so that they understand you, they feel comfortable around you. Um, so it ended up being a perfect setup for me, you know, working in sales as an adult because uh, able to talk to people from different backgrounds and, you know, find common ground. Um, pretty, pretty cool now. But uh, when I was younger, I absolutely uh, was not the biggest fan of, uh, of going back and forth. I, I remember many a uh, car drive when I come up to visit my father or go back um with my mom for the school year, right. you know, I'm be in the car for uh, several hours driving back and forth. And then um, thankfully when I was a, when I was a teenager, I remember um, one of my stepmother's really good friends, uh, she worked for the airline. And so then I, that was my first flight. It was usually flying back and forth oh, nice. between uh, Philadelphia and, and Charleston, South Carolina uh, to come visit, for the summer or, you know, come up maybe, I think I used to do like every other Christmas up in my dad's house, something like that. So um, pretty cool. But uh, yeah, after uh, I moved back up North um, when I was in high school, I finished high school down in Delaware, did a little college down there. Um, and then it ended up getting into sales um, completely accidentally. Actually, I uh, used to be a big workout person you know I, I love to go to the gym and, and work out and saw a job ad for a uh, position as a personal trainer that I responded to I don't know if you remember this this might even be before your time John uh you ever heard of Bally Total Fitness mm -hmm. they, they had one at okay. they had one on really oh yes they they, they did yeah. I forgot that was one yeah. of the clubs that made it made it uh up until the uh they got acquired so yeah and they started, had the started, uh they had the track upstairs. The track and stuff upstairs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I do remember so that. I, I ended up getting a job working at the uh the Bally Total Fitness in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, right there used to be one right across from the mall on the other side of Mall Boulevard. Um it was like right next to I think there was a Toys R Us back there. And they had like some some hotels, like a Crown Plaza or something that was right, uh right, right. that was next door to it. So um I remember going in for the interviews and you know, my my uh old boss that the guy that hired me was like oh you know um what, what, what brings you in i was like man i love working out like if i could get paid to work out that'd be like the best thing ever that's what i was you know associating working at the gym as and uh he goes oh man if you want to make really good money you got to go into sales and i was like oh okay he's like yeah you, you know if you become a sales manager you get a gm position you know you're making six figures a year i was like you know at that time i'm like in my early 20s i'm like this is like amazing of course let's go yeah. And so he's like, yeah, but you got to, you got to work in sales. And and so uh, sales entailed, we would, we would put out lead boxes um, in like the community. And when people would fill out the lead boxes, they would get a free pass to come into the gym. And then the goal was when they came down to the gym to activate their free pass, we, you know, we try to convince them that they needed to sign up for a membership because, you know, it's great that you uh, made this step, but obviously you have some goals that are going to go beyond two weeks. So we're going to need to 
have a plan in place so that you can still uh, be in shape and, and, you know, working towards fitness uh, for longer than two weeks. So um, we, what we can do is we can take that two week free pass and apply it and give you a discount on, on an ongoing membership. How's that sound? And, and so from those conversations, right, that was like the first little bit of a uh, sales, I guess, that I got in my system. Um, I started a, a career in, in sales management uh, at Valley Total Fitness, ended up transitioning later to Fitness International, commonly known in that area as LA Fitness. And I know they have another brand now. Um, the name's on the tip of my tongue, but it eludes me. I think it's Esporta. Esporta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So um spent most of my 20s actually working in um fitness sales managing health clubs you know training sales managers for that company and then uh i right after my 30th birthday uh met a couple of guys that were real estate investors um i you know left my job i was i was tired of working in the gyms i you know i was like hey i'm i'm leaving and i'm not coming back and I had to figure out what the next step was for me, you know, career-wise. I'd been doing that for several years. I didn't really know how to do anything else. I knew people, but, you know, as far as like an actual business right. and an industry, that was most of my work experience. And uh, I met some guys that were real estate investors. One of the guys ended up introducing me to a mortgage broker. Uh, and that mortgage broker is actually one of my partners now. Um, my uh, my mortgage licenses are... are um, sponsored by his his firm, and so it's uh, been a, been a wild trip, man. I, I <laughs> definitely I couldn't have told you, um, you know, even when I was uh, thirty years old, that I'd be you know helping people buy homes and and be like the trusted expert. People knew me kind of as like the gym guy, you know. Even every now and then, it doesn't happen often because I don't live in the Philadelphia area anymore. But even if I'm like in Philly, you know, going to the gym to work out. I like run into one of the old members that recognize me from the gym. They're like, oh man, you're working here now. And I'm like, bro, I haven't worked in the gym in, you know, like nine years. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it's like you're just coming to get a workout in. How are you doing? And I'm like, oh man, it's good to see your face. So um there were, you know, a ton of people that knew me as that. And I know I had to make the transition to, you know, kind of rebrand myself, obviously um increase my knowledge so that, you know, people would trust me and, and know that I knew what the heck was going on. But the biggest thing for me is uh, I had to go out and meet a lot of new people. You know, um, I feel like in, in a business like mine, in a business like yours, even real estate sales, people, um, they're, they're almost like taught, like, hey, if you know a bunch of people, just tell all those people that you're doing something new now. Well, <laughs> the challenge with that is that if someone knows you as one thing, um, it's kind of hard for you to, switch their Respect. mind. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and now them, them view you, you as something different. Yeah. Um, especially if, you know, you're, you're saying, Hey, trust me with making the biggest uh, financial decision of your life, you know, like buying a home where you're going to live, right. raise your family. Um, so that process for me, you know, honestly, it took a, it took a couple of years, you know, I, I distinctly remember like having friends um, and maybe not so much family, but definitely friends of mine that, you know, they were like buying houses and I'm like, Hey, like I'm in the business. And they're like, yeah, sure, bro. Like, <laughs> that's not really what you do. And so <laughs> yeah. it took a, took a while for, uh, for it to become like a real, you know, thing. I think 
where people in my life outside of the folks that I was meeting that only knew me as the mortgage guy um, to really come to me and, and, and view me as a, like a trusted resource. And then since then, I've, you know, I've done like loans for, for friends of mine. I actually I've done loans for like uh, people in my life that it's just like weird how things work out. Like I did, did a loan for like my ex-girlfriend and her husband, you know, her husband's a real estate agent. We ended up doing some transactions together. Um, friends from high school, it's all, all types of, um, stuff. And, uh, it's, it's just pretty cool how, you know, being in a business like ours, um, for the most part, at some point, everyone that you meet is going to need what it is that you do, you know, whether it's buying a place to live in or, you know, maybe selling a a family house or selling their own home. Right. Um, so it's pretty, pretty neat. Um, and I'd be able to, you know, be a resource for, my own family and for, for friends of mine. And then obviously, you know, made it, made a ton of friends along the way, meeting clients and, and other um, real estate professionals. Yeah, no, it's awesome that you, that, that you share that because, you know, looking back at it now, I have over a decade of sales experience and, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have sales experience, uh, especially for the types of sales that I've been doing, it always required for me to know someone and, I think the hardest time that I had, especially in my life, was finding that identity. And, um, you know, I don't know if I've broken relationships per se, but I think uh, in the beginning of my career, people would know me as like, oh, God, like, what's what's he pitching this time? <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so, so it took me over 10 years to finally figure out like, OK, well, it's not about it's it's about the other person. Right. And providing right. value for the other person. And, uh, and, you know, it, it literally has taken me 10 years of that type of sales experience to finally get it. And I'm glad that you found your niche and obviously you're doing well, like even in the real estate investing community, people do ask you, you know, like questions and which we'll get to for our listeners. Um, but to kind of segue into the next question, um, <laughs> how did we meet? Do you uh, remember how we, we met? met? We met probably originally at a uh, networking event, I feel like, years ago. Um, you know, when I was uh, in Philly full time, I there was a period of time where I used to I used to start off my week. And uh, you're I'm sure you're familiar with this app, meetup.com. Yep. So I used to go on meetup.com and I'd look up um, all of the real estate uh, themed events that were going on in the area. Right. And, you know, I lived I lived in I lived in Delaware um, at the like when I first first got into the mortgage business. Um, and then I ended up moving to Philadelphia, like moving back to Philadelphia, I should say, in 2018, maybe right around the time that I got my mortgage license. Right. Um, but there was a period of time where literally every day, um, Monday through Thursday, because usually Fridays were a horrible day for for meetings. I'd be at a real estate meetup. And so I think we met probably at uh, Nick Tang's um, event. Um, he used to do these meetups. You remember in, in uh, off of Spring Garden, it was like this little tiny office off mm-hmm. of Spring Garden. Yep, yep, yep. Um, that was like, that wasn't even, that wasn't even in Northern Liberty. That was like that, that no man's land, yep. like kind of uh, the loft district-ish, yep. right? <laughs> and so I'd, I'd go to, I'd go to Nick Tang's meetups. I'd, I'd go to, uh, there were a couple other uh, guys that had uh, regular groups, um, like a dig investor. Yeah, the yeah. investor exchange. I'd go to dig meetings. I, right. I mean, I would just hit as many meetings as possible 
because, you know, I was hungry to, to for one, to, to learn the language of real estate because I wanted to, you know, have the same level of confidence in my, you know, aptitude as I did when I was working in the fitness industry. Right. You know, when I was in the fitness industry, I was there for several years. Lots of people knew me. They, you know, I was a trusted resource. Like people came to me with questions. That's, that's like selfishly something that I actually like enjoy probably more than, you know, the money that we can make in our industry. Just right. the fact that, you know, people feel comfortable and, and have confidence coming to me for advice. Um, and I can hopefully, you know, give them some insight because I've just, I've seen more, um, of these transactions than, you know, the average person has. And so I say, Hey, this is what I'm seeing, you know, are you seeing something similar or did you think about this? Um, so just helping turn the lights on for people. And so I just go to those meetings and try, try to soak up as much as possible and, you know, hopefully not, uh, get too overwhelmed. I, uh, I'm probably the, one of the, one of the least outgoing, uh, salespeople you'll ever meet. Um, you know, working, I mean, like literally I, 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 I've been able to like function under the fact that I'm pretty tall. And so mm -hmm. a lot of times I just go into a group of people and I just stand there and then people would just engage me. Cause like, it's hard to miss me. Like I'm like yeah. six, over six foot tall, like bald guy. They just like start talking to me like, Hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, Hey, what's, what's going on? So yeah, we probably met at, at one of the Nick Tang's events and uh, we bumped into each other a couple of times uh, at other meetups because right. you know, you're, you're always working and networking to grow your business. And you know, it's, um, it's pretty cool being in a business like ours. I feel like everybody says this, but it really is a small world. Um, you know, when you're doing business, you yeah. know, it's like, there's so many people in Philadelphia that are in and in, in, in outside of Philadelphia that are in the real estate business. But um, the longer you stay in there, the more you kind of start seeing a lot of the same names and faces, you know, I'll get contracts sometimes from clients that are putting in offers on properties. And then I recognize the listing agent. So I'm reaching out to them like, Hey, what's going on? You know, the title company that we're using, I've worked with them before. It's like, it's just a really small, small world when you get down to brass tacks. And so it's kind of cool to do business with people that they do good business. They understand, you know, how to run these transactions correctly and, you know, ethically. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, this is like a, a lot of responsibility that we have. We're helping right. people buy and sell homes. Right. So for our listeners, Mark, I mean... Like I have this on podcast format as well as video. So for our listeners, how tall are you? Um, I'm 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 six three. I'm not like unreasonably <laughs> tall, but I mean like taller than the average guy, I guess. Yeah, right? no, I say I say that because uh, at Nick Nick Tang's events, like one thing that I always remembered about you is there are so many mortgage brokers that come to these events, but there are very few that actually come consistently, right? Right. You were actually the one that kept coming and you were actually the one that stayed. So normally I would stay after the event ended and you were one of the few that also stayed when the event ended and you hung out with us and you did stick out like a sore thumb because most of <laughs> us, you know where I'm going with this. It's like me, yeah. Nick, I mean, you have Dave, you have Sean, like all of us are like four Asian dudes that are average right from like <laughs> five, five to five, eight. And here's this like, random tall black dude like you know like <laughs> so, so listen it, my, my technique worked <laughs> yeah and it was like i don't know for some reason it was instant like uh rapport for me like i felt very comfortable yeah. around you and everyone did everyone felt very comfortable around you so um yeah i mean i that for me that was more of the memorable experience 
uh, I, I do want to get into really the, the, the meat and potatoes of why our listeners want to hear um, about what's going on. So with interest rates, right? Where do you think interest rates are going and what kind of data do you have that supports that? So where interest rates have been going, um, thankfully, prayerfully down, you know, um, slowly but surely interest rates are starting to uh, trickle down. I get updates every day from different lenders. Um, I literally just was looking at an email before we hopped on the call. And one of my lenders, which uh, I've got a, quite a few deals in the pipeline with them right now, they're one of the more aggressively priced lenders in the country. They just had their third reprice today for the better, meaning um, the, the interest rates that they're charging for all loan programs is a little bit lower. Um, across the board. And I think that's going to continue to happen. Uh, the federal government's been fighting really hard to, um, you know, try to put some sort of a, of a stranglehold on inflation because that's been increasing the price of everything, right? The increasing the price of goods that we buy in the store, in the grocery store. Um, obviously, as it affects our industry, the cost of um, building materials. Uh, so it's making home prices uh, go up because builders are having to charge more because they're getting charged more right. to, to build houses and to renovate houses. Um, but then also it's increasing um, the cost of capital to banks when they're borrowing from the uh, federal government. So that's trickling down to the investors that buy mortgages. Uh, their cost is going up as well to, to do business. So now they're passing that on. They're saying, hey, we got to see higher interest rates so that we'll be comfortable investing in these mortgages. And so we probably hit a peak, I want to say hmm, maybe November of last year. Uh, we were on a nice little run. You know, we, we started seeing rates jump up in uh, probably mid spring last year. And that ran until, you know, probably like mid to late November of 2022. And so we're starting to see that rates are creeping back down. You know, I've been locking clients on 30-year fixed loans in the fives. Oh, nice. Uh, that, yeah. So that's, that's, you know, that's like starting to feel like some sense of normalcy because we were getting to a point where um, for a lot of people, interest rates were, were literally making it so that it wasn't possible for them to afford a house or at least not the amount of house that they were looking for, right? I'm sure you had clients, I've had Several clients, they're like, wow, I really like this house, but the math's just not mathing for me. I can't get excited about having this type of payment. And, you know, you can tell someone, hey, marry the house, date the rate as much as you want to. But the reality is they're the ones that have to make those payments every month. And, you know, if people are just seeing that they can't afford the monthly payments. Nobody's excited about that. So um, I 100% lean on people that are smarter than me in this business uh, and some of the folks that have access to way more data than I do, just because they're able to see more transactions than, you know, hundreds of transactions. I'm working on looking at hundreds of thousands of transactions. A lot of folks are saying that we're probably going to see an inflection point, like a serious inflection point around May of this year. Um, that's when uh, the reports get released on um, jobs and housing data for uh, last year. And when that comes out, they're expecting that inflation numbers are going to be um, down. You know, um, it's going to boost consumer confidence. And we're going to probably see um, a bit of a, a drop off on interest rates. But the reality is um, right now where we're at with interest rates, I mean, 
we're about where we were when I got my mortgage license in 2018. Okay. You know, like rates were in the fives. People were buying houses then. Um, what happened in 2020 and 2021 when interest rates dropped dramatically, um, a lot of that was because the federal government was was trying really hard um, to make sure that the economy didn't get beat up any more than it already was from the effects of COVID quarantines. And so they started buying mortgages um, from mortgage companies, which isn't normal. You know, normally um, the mortgages are bought by investors that invest in mortgage-backed securities. And the federal government stepped in and said, hey, we're going to create a guaranteed market for resale so that you can continue lending money. You as in mortgage companies and banks that do mortgage loans. Um, and when they did that. You're stimulating the economy, putting, putting absolutely. money back in. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Because they, they know that, you know, housing is a big is a big sector of our economy because there's so many other industries that are supported by home builders and, and you know, the, the companies that profit the most off of those transactions going through. So if home builders are selling houses, that means that lumber supply and appliance companies, all the all the ancillary companies and, and industries that support that industry, they're also going to be doing well. And right. there were so many industries that were negatively affected by COVID quarantines that there wasn't really much we could do about, you know, like obviously the restaurant industry, tourism took huge hits during those times. And so they were just doing whatever they could to stimulate that part of the economy. Um, but that wasn't like an indefinite, hey, we're just going to buy mortgages forever. So when they just said that they were going to start unwinding on buying those mortgages, um, that's where we started to really see, initially see the slowdown. And then naturally as inflation numbers step popping up, um, these are just more variables that are you know going to make it untenable. So uh, it's a, it's exciting now to see you know what happens. Do so I think that you know we're going to go back to la la land and interest rates are going to go back down to twos and threes? Probably not. Um, but I think that if we can continue to see rates recede, you're going to see that people are going to continue to buy homes because now you don't have the challenge that someone's you know selling a house that they may have a two or three percent interest rate on, and even though their family needs more space and they need to relocate, you know, they're looking at potentially buying a new home with an interest rate in the sevens. That's, you know, that, that makes it so that it, the numbers don't make sense for, for a lot of families. And also there's sellers that, you know, they've just been sitting on the sidelines because every time they list their house for sale, they're not getting people biting for the price that they were planning to sell their house for. Because again, if everybody in the neighborhood that sold their house in the last year or two, was selling it to someone who was either buying it with cash or they're getting a mortgage with an interest rate in the twos and threes. Now you're saying, hey, you can buy my house for the same price and your interest rate's going to be in the sevens. No one's really biting on that. And so I think that's gonna that's gonna do a lot to free up some inventory in some of these neighborhoods where you know we're still seeing bidding wars in some of the markets that we do business right. in, which is crazy when you think about it, mm -hmm. um, considering where interest rates are. But that's the reason it's it's a lot of it's spurred by the lack of inventory, not necessarily the fact that people want to overpay. They're like, hey, I need to buy a house. I want to be in this area. There ain't that many houses available. I'm willing to pay whatever I can to get into this house and then we'll figure the rest out later. So we're going to probably see um, a steady increase in the amount of inventory that's entering the market. Um, plus, you know, just naturally in, in a lot of markets, you're going to have the cyclical nature of real estate where certain times of the year are just more popular for people to list their homes for sale. Right. right. It's a lot easier to do open houses and to show off a house when it's 
you know, sunny outside. Uh, not so much when the ground's frozen and it, you know, it's precipitation. So <laughs> you get a lot more people that are there, you know, encouraged to, to list their house for sale in the spring and the summertime compared to the winter and the fall. Right, right. So to stay on that topic, because of high interest rates, uh, what are some creative ways people are financing now? Well, I'm seeing a couple of things, um, certainly for my investor clients. Um, if they're buying a property that maybe doesn't have a ton of deferred maintenance and they're not, they're not necessarily looking for renovation financing, uh, I'm having people, you know, make offers that are contingent, you know, upon or, or subject to the, the existing financing on the property. You know, they're just trying to take over that mm -hmm. existing mortgage right. and, and keep it moving where I'm not even getting involved in the transaction. They're just like, Hey, what can I do to buy your house? And, you know, just keep the existing financing in place because you already got a solid mortgage terms. Um, for folks that I'm working with directly, uh, what are they doing to, to make it, you know, maybe a little bit less obnoxious? Uh, arms are, are starting to be popular again, you know, adjustable rate mortgages. Mm -hmm. um, also for my clients that are buying houses to live in for, you know, um, a primary residence, uh, we've been, marketing this a lot because a lot of the lenders that we work with, you know, we work with literally the biggest lenders in the country and then, you know, some in between and specialty lenders. Uh, we're starting to see programs like uh, seller paid buy downs are becoming very popular um, where you can pay upfront to temporarily drop the interest rate, um, which obviously in turn is going to drop someone's monthly payment for the first year or two or even first three years of the mortgage. Um, so that's just things that people are trying to do to, to make it so that they can still get the house that they want or the or the amount of house that they want, um, but have a payment that's reasonable. And uh, you're even starting to see that a lot of sellers are including that in listings. You know, they're willing to contribute to um, buying down that interest rate. So whether that those funds are coming from the seller, they're coming from the buyer, they're coming from the, the real estate agents involved. It's like, what can we do to make this payment? Uh, feasible for someone so that they feel comfortable buying this house. Because at the end of the day, you know, whether the price of the house goes up or down, um, most people don't care if they can afford the payment, right? Mm -hmm. But if I can't afford the payment, it doesn't matter what the, you know, what the home price is. You know, you, you have a property that's sitting on the MLS for months at a time and it's not moving. It usually means that there's either something wrong with that house, right? It's got right. Some, some issues that are, constantly coming up every time someone walks through it or, you know, somebody goes in a contract and they have a home inspector go out and it's like, Oh, surprise. There's, you know, thousands <laughs> of dollars of deferred maintenance you didn't know about. Right. And the seller's not willing to make any consideration for that with the list price or um, the folks that are looking in those areas and those neighborhoods, when they start crunching the numbers, they're just like, Hey, I can't afford this. You know, they, these numbers don't make sense. It's going to throw off my monthly budget for my family. Right. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say, hey, kids, we got a new house, but we got to eat ramen noodles. Nobody's excited about that. So right. um, I think that, you know, seller paid buy downs are, are certainly going to probably continue to be a thing for at least the next year, if not, you know, maybe a little bit past that. Um, but anytime you see lenders coming out with different options and programs that make it easier for people to afford homes, um, you know that it's not just uh a blip. This is like where we're at in the market right now. Yeah. I mean, for our, our listeners, I think you did a good job explaining the buy downs. 
Uh, how about the arms? If you can explain the some of the terms that you have in the arms and how that works. Yeah, so most popular uh, with most of the lenders that we work with are either a 5-1 or maybe a 7-1 arm. And that just means that the loan itself is still, you know, maybe like a 30-year term. Um, but your interest rates only fix for the first five years or for the first seven years. And then after that initial fixed period, the interest rate can adjust once a year based on whatever index that particular lender is using. So maybe they're, you know, looking at um, uh, the prime rate. If you're looking at, you know, usually uh, he loans, you know, second second position um, loans, things like that. Um, they may be looking at like a SOFR or LIBOR index if it's uh, a first position lien. And so that means that if those um, indexes are going up and you're out of that fixed period, then your interest rate could go up. Right. They go down when you're out of that fixed period, hey, your interest rate might actually go down. Um, but because uh, that rate can be variable, um, it usually will give you a significant savings in that initial fixed period. And so again, for someone who's buying a house and maybe, you know, I, I, sh I, I'm shy about saying, Hey, we're in a high interest rate environment because rates have certainly been higher recently than they are now. <laughs> um, and I mean, if you go back historically, rates have been way higher, you know, there's been right. times in, where interest rates have been in double digits. So um, I don't want to say we're necessarily in a high interest rate environment, but higher than we've been. Right. right. And so, uh, People are adjusting to that. They're reconfiguring, you know, their expectation of what they're going to have to spend on a mortgage payment. And even if you can do it lower that, you know, arms typically are going to give you that option. So specifically for investors, I feel like arms are, are a really popular option. You know, if you go to the, the average local bank or credit union and say you want to take out a small balance commercial loan on an investment property, they're not giving you a 30 year fixed loan. Right. It's going to be some, some version of an arm. Like um, but for an investor, period. yeah, right, right, yeah. and the rate maybe maybe only be fixed for the first five years. Five years. Yep. But for that investor, that's giving them the opportunity to maximize their cash flow from that property in those those first five years, right? And, and just try to stack as much cash as they can possibly do, you know, to go toward capital expenses. Um, maybe be super aggressive paying down the principal on that mortgage, and then at the end of that five year period you know, kind of do a, an inventory and say, hey, does it make sense for me to continue with this loan or possibly refinance to another loan program with, you know, a different lender, maybe with the same lender based on what's going on in the market. So arms are, are just one of those things that give folks options uh, to, again, you know, lower that fixed payment that you're going to have for, for a period of time. Yeah, no, that's a great explanation. So uh, moving forward, not all mortgage brokers are created equal. I've, I'm sure we, we all know that, but what are some qualities people should look for when shopping for rates? I mean, not just for shopping for rates, but in the quality of the person who they're working with, especially with a lender. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the, the same types of conversations that you would have to, you know, interview any professional that you're working with, you know, an accountant, an attorney, a real estate agent, um, you should be having those same types of conversations and asking those same questions of a mortgage broker. Uh, most of my clients that I work with, they're referred to me by either another client or a real estate professional that I know. 
So, you know, I'm not stranger danger, but um, that's not to say that like I'm for everybody. Somebody may not like the way that I talk to them on the phone, you know, <laughs> um, obviously my, my job is to, is to be as likable as possible, but um, you want to make sure that the person that you're dealing with when you're again, making one of the biggest purchases of your life is somebody that you're comfortable talking to the way that they're explaining things are uh, making sense to you. Um, if you're someone who asks a lot of questions, hopefully they have patience for someone who asks a lot of questions. You know, I've had clients that I think they've even felt self-conscious asking me questions. And I'm like, hey, just so you know, I do this for a living. It's okay. I'm expecting that you're going to ask me a bunch of questions. Um, it, frankly, if you didn't need to ask me a lot of questions, I don't know what value I would be to you because I'm not telling you information that you can't, you know, um, get on your own or without me being involved. There's probably not much reason for you to work with me. And so I think that's super important um, to have a rapport with that person and feel comfortable asking them questions and and then also feel confident that when you ask them a question, the answer that they give you, you uh, are able to trust it. You know, hey, this person knows what they're talking about. Right. And that may just be by talking to other friends or family and getting referrals or, you know, if you happen to find a, a real estate professional or an accountant that you know, ask them, hey, who's your favorite mortgage person? Who's your favorite um, lender? Who's your favorite mortgage broker? Um, and you'd be surprised because, you know, I, I feel like, um, People, birds of a feather flock together, right? So mm -hmm. it just so happens that you and I get along. Well, you do good business and I do good business. Look at that, right? So, some, somebody likes you and you say, hey, I need a referral. And you might say, hey, well, I know this guy, Mark Brown. He can help you out. You know, he, he does business in this area. Well, they feel confident in that referral that you give them because they like the way that you do business. And so like, if I like the way that you do business and you like the way that this other person does business, then if someone's making the biggest purchase of their life, I just think it's important to, you know, have someone that you, you feel is a trusted advisor in your corner, you know, right. whether that's a mortgage broker or a real estate professional, certainly for our, our investor clients and our self-employed clients, you know, having a good tax professional is uh, super important as well. Um, you want to have people that are competent and they know what's going on and they play nice with others because this is a team sport, right? right? Like there's no transactions that you work on where, Nobody else is involved. You're having to uh, to work in concert with other professionals. So that's super important on my end too. Right, right. So I'm going to ask two last questions. Uh, the second to last question is, what are you looking for to make your job easier? I know a common answer would be, you know, for example, for you to, you know, have more clients, right? Um, but if you can fill a specific role, make a purchase or an acquisition, what is one thing you would need help with? Um, I wouldn't say, uh, more clients. I don't know if that makes my job easier. I mean, it makes my job, <laughs> uh, more profitable for sure. But, um, the thing that makes my job easier is meeting people who do good business. Um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a fun transaction is one where everyone does their job. You know, not everything's going to go right. You know, right. inevitably we're dealing with properties and people, there's going to be things that come up, surprises that we find out about a property, appraisals that come back uh, for a different value than what we were anticipating. Or, yep. you know, the home inspector goes out. There's some issues with the property that no one knew about. That type of stuff's going to happen. That's just a part of our business, right? Occupational hazard, if you will. But what makes my job easier is working with people who do good business. You know, they're good at communicating. I feel like that's super important if something is going on. 
Right. Um, they uh, are professionals. Um, they're not, you know, getting too worked up or, or, or too, uh, too down if something does come up because that's just to be expected. That's part of the business. Um, and then what am I looking for, you know, helping grow my business going forward? I was just building out a team, people that I can trust to, you know, have some of these conversations that I have on a daily basis um, without me being involved, you know, because there's a lot of the things that we do in our business is repetitions, right? You know, um, not all of those things require my involvement, but they still have to get done on every transaction. So those are the things that I'm focused on in 2023 and beyond is just building out a team so that I can be able to be of service to more clients help more real estate professionals. You know, I have a lot of friends that are real estate agents and they're looking to grow their business. And I feel like this is a great time to do that. So I'm looking to get bigger so I can help more people out. No, that's awesome. And where can our listeners find you? Uh, I'm on the gram. I'm on Instagram at marc.loans. That's probably the best way to to find me. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, but um, admittedly, I have not been posting uh, as often as you are on my YouTube channel. So I got to get better <laughs> with that. Um, but uh, videos.mark.loans, um, where you just search Mark Brown Mortgage Broker on mm-hmm. YouTube. And I have some content on there, but I definitely need to get more consistent with posting because uh, I actually like talking about this stuff. It's like really fun for me. Um, and again, I'm I'm always trying to compress timeframes. If I've you know spent eight years doing something and I've gotten pretty good at it, uh, chances are that I can, you know, help maybe uh, shorten the amount of time it's going to take someone else to learn the information that they need for whatever their goal is, whether that's someone looking to buy a house to live in or invest in real estate and build a a portfolio or build a business out of it. So uh, I enjoy uh, having these types of conversations. No, this is awesome. This is awesome. Well, Mark, I, I always appreciate you, you know, with your insight and what you have to offer for everyone. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch. And when you get back in Philly, hit me up. Absolutely, brother. We we're uh, we're overdue for a little lunch action. Yeah, I know we do. We are overdue. So definitely stay in touch, and we'll go from there, All right, brother. All right, I'll talk to you soon. John. All right, all right, I'll talk to you. Bye. All right.